Take two. Let's see if it chops us up again. All right, mate. For, I didn't mention before, but I am actually super honoured that you'd have a conversation with me because you seem like you are juggling every ball possible. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know how some of them, if not all of them, don't hit the floor. So first of all, thank you for taking the time and then fannying around for half an hour when I try and use my laptop. Um, <laughs> but in a nutshell, like what what do you do? Where do you spend your where do you spend your time? Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, yeah, like you said, trying trying to do a lot of things, but also you know trying to focus on some of the main things. I think the the three main things I probably spend my most time on are training. Like training takes up a ton of my time in my day. I'm usually you know doing like two sessions a day at least, and my shoulder rehab and getting that all done. When I'm not doing that, creating. Um, I love like creating content. Um, usually it's around my training, so it kind of coincides whether I'm filming my training and then putting things together, um, putting my thoughts about mindset or mental health or that together into that content. Um, I'm always doing something like that. And then just connecting, connecting with family, um, connecting with my dog, uh, connecting with my partner, connecting with people uh, online. Uh, I love doing stuff like that as well. So that's kind of what I'm spending most of my time on. You You do know those 24 hours in a day, right? Oh yeah. And I sleep for like a good eight, eight and a half hours of those. Oh, <laughs> I don't never skimp on, on my sleep. Um, that's a big one for me. Yeah. Especially if you want to train and especially if you want to train twice a day, holy shit. Like that's something that especially like back in a day would knock me out of the park. If I was training double days, like the recovery has got to be so well organized. Otherwise everything starts falling to pieces from there. Yeah, I 100% agree. Like today is probably like an active recovery day for me. I think I might go cross country skiing um, in the evening. And then one of my friends is trying to drag me into some training um, because yesterday he was gone. I ended up using his garage gym to train by myself. Um, So we wanted to train together. So if he's doing something that's more like blood flow, I'm going to do it. If he's doing something like squats, probably going to skip that today because today is like my active recovery day. So I try to just do like light movement, like biking or jogging or something like that. Or cross country skiing, which is supposed to be one of the hardest things you can do, but okay. <laughs> I find the ski, there's two disciplines. So like skate skiing is really hard for me. That's like, oh, that's always going to get my heart rate really high. Um, but I like to do like cla- like classic. I have both skis, but classic just for recovery day. I mean, if I go skiing tonight, probably I'll go on the trail that I can bring my dog. So she's towed to me. So it's like, it's pretty chill. Also, my boyfriend is slower than me. So I, I can just... <laughs> Like my heart rate is very low when we're going together versus if I went by myself. <laughs> I like it a little bit of a slide dig. <laughs> well, that's, um, I mean, yeah. CrossFit has fucking blow my mind. Like that gone are the days that I'm doing that shit. Like you won't even get me doing a wad, no wads anymore. Like my wad is anything over three reps and that's cardio <laughs> for me. Like I don't need anything more than that. That I I feel that, but sadly, like with my shoulder injury, I mean, I've been missing Olympic lifting, which is that's where I would be like, oh, I'd, I'd love to spend just more time there just doing, yeah, like one rep, a couple of reps, um, but I can't do any of that. And I can't do any of like the gymnastics skill work. So all that I can do is like, yeah, t- tough workouts, like a lot of, I'm getting sick of dumbbells, mm-hmm. um, obviously my shoulder rehab. And then I'm just working a lot on my endurance. Cause I've always been more of a like strength power athlete, especially coming from snowboarding. Mm-hmm. It's not really, uh, you're not building up like a big engine of it. You have to be, you know, fit to like ride all day and, but it's low intensity in that sense. And then it's like a lot of muscular endurance. So, um, like a lot of leg strength and leg endurance and stuff, but not so much, 
like people who have a background with running and things like that. So that's what I'm always focusing on, at least for the last year or two. Mm. What what did you do to your shoulder? Um, so I've always had rough shoulders. I came from snowboarding, so I've landed on them a couple of times, mm. uh, done my AC joints. Even since I was like 14, I remember I would go to the physio before I go to like the skate park and she would tape up my back to like fix my posture. So part of it is like, I'm just very tight, which makes me naturally pretty strong. Like that's why strength stuff like Olympic lifting, um, is good for me. But when it comes to CrossFit, like you have to find that balance of also being relaxed and being able to do those longer and distant, uh, longer endurance stuff and have the mobility as well to do like the gymnastics and not hurt yourself. So I always kind of had cranky shoulders. I think a lot of people do in CrossFit, but a lot of it comes just from my natural positioning. So I've always been working on it, working on it. It was feeling really good. Uh, I was competing in China. I went to Bali for a little vacation afterwards and a cat ran straight in front of the front tire of my motorbike and I didn't want to hit it. So I dodged it, ditched the bike at like 60 K and landed straight on my shoulder. And that was actually like the shoulder I thought was like my good shoulder compared to the other one that was more cranky. Um, and I thought I did my AC joint. I needed kind of like a mental break from basically competing in sport my whole life. So I was like, okay, um, I've been burning myself out with like business and sport and all these things. Let me just take a break, recover my shoulder. So let it rest, like let it recover. And it just wasn't healing. Then the pandemic happened. So there wasn't any competitions anyway. So I started really going hard on rehab. Um, eventually like a year later, so kind of like very early of 2021 started reincorporating like muscle ups and full movements. And I was like feeling really good. Like, I was like, okay, like this is, this is going well. All of a sudden I just jumped up for a pull up and like lost all strength in my shoulder. So I finally went to go see my sport med that I should have probably seen from the start, but because I thought I already knew what it was, you know, had some other physios around me that were like, yeah, yeah, it's probably that I hadn't. And, um, so I got an MRI and all those stuff and at least confirmed that I didn't have like a labral tear. We thought I was going to have to get surgery. So this fall I found out no surgery, which is, that's great news. Um, went, been going super hard on, on the rehab with a new rehab coach, um, and a new physio team there with, with the doctor, Um, and basically I just have a couple small tears in my rotator cuff and essentially my shoulder in general just looks like someone much older than, than me, if you were to look in the joints. So I'm sure when I'm 60, my shoulder will be done, but I'm doing everything I can to make sure that doesn't happen. And also like, probably because I'm still not back to Olympic lifting, going to sit out this CrossFit, you know, open and then kind of game season again to keep recovering. Cause I'd like to get back to competition, but I don't want to like rush back, hurt it. And then I basically can't use the shoulder for the rest of my life. So glad I don't need surgery, but that just means a little bit of a longer road to full recovery. Yeah. That's where you get the, uh, the yo-yo athletes, right. That try and rush back and they're like itching to get back out on the dance floor and throw down some weights with, with the peeps. Right. And next thing, you know, ping, there it goes again, or ping, there goes something else. Cause you're overcompensating in your movement patterns and yeah that's a dangerous dangerous game to play like and definitely don't start rolling those dice so i think you're making the uh, the right decision to to take another year out and just be like nah 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 i'm gonna focus on like yeah a bit more gpp stuff overall health and then also make this like quote unquote weakness now a strength um especially if, it's, if it was like a acj like that if that gets bunged up nah that's not gonna play out
Yeah. Yeah. I'm playing the, playing the patient road. I think when I was younger in sport, I definitely didn't do that. Especially like when I was snowboarding, it's like, no, I want to make the Olympics. I need to get on the, the junior world's team. I need to do this like by next week. So I was competing with broken bones, like just doing crazy stuff. Um, that you kind of had to make it happen. The interesting thing though, in snowboarding is like, I remember once, I think my last season, I got off a plane and then my hip was like, completely wrecked. Like we actually, we thought I had torn my labrum, but it like six months later it had healed, I guess. Um, but I couldn't squat an empty barbell yet. I could land a jump below parallel, like a 70 foot jump. I could land because the adrenaline is so high and you're Mm. like just catching yourself. Um, it's interesting how you can push past those injuries in action sports, but then when it comes to like training in the gym or something like CrossFit, where it is those gym movements, you're, you're thinking about it all the time. Like you can't just really push past because your body is like, no, like <laughs> it's not, it's not happening at that high adrenaline, high fast speed, um, where it's like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, really hurt myself if I don't land this right now. So I have to make it happen. Yeah. So I I've now been trying to be a little bit more cautious, but even in my early CrossFit days, just coming from the snowboard injuries and still having that mindset of like, okay, I, I didn't make the Olympics. I need to make something happen really quickly and cross. CrossFit, I definitely pushed through. And especially I came in kind of learned like muscle ups first try kind of already was strong. So people around me definitely didn't help with, you know, instead of like making me start from the basics, it was like, okay, you can compete this year. Like you're going to be really good. Let's progress instead of building my foundation for years. So I'm kind of like going back and rebuilding that foundation. And I'm grateful I've had the opportunity to do so. Hopefully I'm not uh, too old to, to rejoin the competition season. We're seeing like 18 year olds killing it now. Um, but yeah, I'm just happy to hopefully like recover and at least have, you know, a long life in sport in general without aches and pains nonstop. Cause I've had aches and pains nonstop since I've been really a kid in sport. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Like it's actually quite, quite interesting to have that conversation with someone who, um, you know, will kind of work out kind of not never really been in sport. Right. Cause they'll, they'll have a conversation with you and be like, Oh, so I bet you feel great. Like all the time. I was like, no, no, no. We, I <laughs> probably feel worse than you do all the time. Just cause I'm so bunged up. It's like, it might look a little bit better and you can do a little bit more movement, but the amount of warming up you need to do is to lubricate the joints and be like, Oh, let's get these old bones moving, you know? And that's even at a young age, never mind in your 60s, 70s, 80s, you know? Oh yeah. That's like my dad to convince him to go skiing. He's like, Oh, my knees will be sore all week. And I'm like, okay, but then you need to be doing stuff like nonstop to make sure that that doesn't happen. Cause obviously if you just do it once in a blue moon, it's going to be sore, like going to the gym once. Um, but if you like keep consistent and you do your strength work and I know one year he, he did like a lot of home training and he went skiing. He's like, I feel so good. And I was like, wow, like this is so cool to see the, see the big difference there. But yeah, I have a friend, he's like, um, he's a triathlete and we were joking. He was like, I get like winded going up the stairs. My legs are sore, but he's training like six hours a day, you know, doing these things. And people think, Oh, you're so healthy. Like, and it's, it's different. There's like a, there's that health scale. Right. And it's yeah. like untrained here. And then it's health in the middle. And then it's like elite athlete performance is on the other side. Like there's, it's, it's a little bit past. I, I think, you know, once that, um, those days are over of like competing. I think a lot of athletes, then they try to find somewhere in that, you know, scale where it's like, okay, now I'm doing this just for longevity rather than like elite performance in this, you know, few years range. Mm. Yeah. Elite performance is not healthy. No, there's a lot of sacrifices you have to make to push past it, right? Like injuries and small tweaks and things that could be detrimental to to the long-term. You know, for example, I probably eat like a ton of 
process carbs just to like meet my meet my intake that I need but I'm yeah. sure like yeah. if I stopped training how I how I was that could possibly be detrimental and I'd probably shift how I ate if I was doing doing less <laughs> I think you made a really good point of like you'd you do what it takes to push past, um, you know, the pain and work through injuries and whatnot when you're trying to go to the Olympics, right? Because I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out on a whim and say that was your only thing, all right. Apart from skill, which is fine, that's kind of a given. You have to do that, but that was your like one and only. I'm gonna do this. This is who I am. It's your identity. But now, like you do so many different things that will allow you to take some time off and be like, okay, all I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna shift more chips into other baskets. I'm still going to have chips in this basket of the athlete and the performance side, but what that looks like might have to look a little bit different, right? It might have to change. Now I'm just going to shift my focus a little bit more onto, onto all these other avenues that you're doing. And something that um, I personally like just related and was like, I want to have a conversation with this lady. This I'm, sh- I'm sure we'll have some fucking sick um, talks of like, okay, now we'll talk about the mindset and the mental health side, as well as marrying it up with performance, as well as marrying it up with health and the the moving side. So I'm like really, really keen to dive into that and hear, hear your two cents on that. Yeah, no, I love what you said there about like being able to move the chips into somewhere else. And I think that's, that's something, especially as a young athlete for me, a mistake that I made. And I know a lot of athletes that, you know, follow similar patterns just because it's how we're taught in sport is like, that's the only thing you can do. And this is your only identity. And this is your only value. You know, we get told by our parents, like, oh, you are born to be an athlete. Like, especially if you're naturally good at it, that's kind of that whole avenue. But I think it's important to, to tell young athletes and kids, like, there's other things that you can do and it doesn't have to be for performance. It could be just for fun. Like whether you like reading or maybe you like to write poetry, I don't know. Like there could be a lot of different things that you could explore and doesn't mean you have to, you know, pursue that as a job or get better at it or monetize it, but they could be outlets that give you some space to explore just who you are as a person outside of that sport, because you will have injuries. You will have setbacks. Eventually your career will come to an end and that's the hardest part is answering like, who am I when that happens? Mm. Um, and so that was something I really struggled with. Like my whole identity was wrapped around snowboarding and, and got to the point where at my last season, just seeing so a lot of people close to me get some pretty serious injuries. I started thinking, wait, I have a few of these other passions. What happens if something really bad happens and I cannot do any of these things for the rest of my life? Like I can't train, I can't do, um, I can't lift, I can't, um, do other sports that I like. I can't even hang out with my friends or uh, get a dog. Or, um, if I hurt myself or I hit my head another time, I won't be able to continue my business or, you know, different things like that. And that's what really started having me evaluate, like, is doing this dangerous of a sport good for me, the human being with all that I also wanted to do, um, moving forward in life. And so that was a hard decision I had to make. Uh, is such an important point of you, the human being, not you, the athlete, you know what I mean? Cause they, a lot of the time are completely separate people, right? Cause the athlete is a, I don't feel no pain. I'm going to train. I'll sleep when I'm dead. I'll keep going. I'm here to compete. Lions got to eat all that type of shit. And the human is like, sometimes you're going to have to give yourself a pat on the back and a hug and be like, let's go for the holistic approach. Let's calm down. Let's look after this, i.e. the mental health. And then also this, the physical health and then the synergy between the two, right. Rather than just be like, fuck that. I'm in, let's go. Let's try and like turn it up all the time. I was like, you're either going to reach 
physical burnout, mental burnout, or both? Yeah. I think, you know, something that came to mind there is like often when we watch athletes on TV or a competition, we see who came first place and we're like, that's the winner. And then what if those, that person is suffering? Like what if they, everything outside of their life is falling apart. They gave everything to do that one thing and it didn't bring them any joy. They really didn't, you know, feel the reward from doing that. They're kind of empty when that happens. Like I know with the mindset that I had when I was snowboarding, I could have made the Olympics. I could have got a gold medal and it just, it would never have been enough because I was always, you know, thinking that my whole identity was wrapped around that whole thing. So I think for me, it was so good to have that, you know, step away and have that perspective and rebuild that relationship with sport where it's like, I really love to compete. That's like who I am in, in a sense is like someone who loves to test myself and grow through that. But at the same time, my whole life doesn't revolve around getting the shiny metal or whatever that is. So then sometimes it like, it's interesting because we compare ourselves to that person who came first. We're like, I need to do that. And I need every sacrifice I can make to get that. And so many people end up falling off because they had that mindset and never getting there. But what about the person who came third and has like an amazing family life? And is just so proud that they came third. Like I, to me, that's the, that's the winner. Like that's winning right there. And so I'm excited to see like how I really kind of rebuilt my relationship with sport even more so over this last two years with the shoulder injury, where it's like my whole life doesn't revolve around what place I get at a competition. Or even if I get back to the competition floor, it's something I want to do. I think it would be awesome, but, um, it's not like I'm not competing from a place of not feeling like enough. I'm competing from a place of like, no, like I'm good. And this is something extra. This is something bonus. And so I'm interested to see how that plays out because I think a lot of people think you need that kind of chip on your shoulder to uh, get, reach the highest level, but I don't think that's necessarily the case. And either way, even if you don't end up being like the world champion, what if you're happier than that? And you're just really happy with, with the position that you're at. I think that's a win as well. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, obviously coming from a place where I'm, I'm obviously not world champion, but I would agree, right? And I think um, having that mindset of a chip in your shoulder, like the the underdog, the, the, the you know, the beast in the making, I'm, I'm going to go for that gold. I think you've got a very, very short time span for that. I think the body can withstand a lot more of that. I think the mind will end up breaking. If you're constantly putting yourself in that, like, anxious state and kind of self-deprivating i i think it will it will shoot yourself in the foot metaphorically speaking because it will break your head in the long run yeah. i've seen it a lot with athletes I've, I've seen it a lot with myself kind of always putting myself in that in the past situation and then you kind of relay that and then ultimately you know your mind is is broken and you're no longer a a, a strong-headed athlete which then will hinder your performance yeah. And I think it's not even that it'll take away any drive to still want to be the best or any chances at being the best. I think actually you'll probably perform and recover better because you're not beating yourself up daily. You're like, you're not in this fight or flight mode 24 seven. You, you, you put your full effort into your training and then you're like, that's all I can control. If I didn't hit a PB today, or I didn't come first place at this event, what, what mattered? I put my best effort in, you know, that person ended up showing up better or um, I, you know, I made a mistake that I couldn't control that that's like all outside of your control. You shouldn't beat yourself up from that. Learn from those things. But, um, I think all you can do is focus on your effort. And if you do so, it's not going to take any way, any drive away from pursuing being the best. I think it can only just help. And 
if you do end up, you know, falling a little bit short, you just take it as a lesson rather than like, oh, I need to quit this. I'm not good enough. Um, those kind of the, the pendulum swings when you're always in that mindset of like, I have to accomplish this to be somebody. Yeah, for sure. I think you need to like look at yourself as like partitioned, which is going to sound really weird, but you look at yourself as as the athlete, you look at yourself as the, the family member, the spouse or whatever, the friend, and then you look at yourself as a human. And I think you've got to be able to look after all of them, especially if you want a long career in sport, right? Like we're seeing, like you mentioned, you're seeing 18 year olds in, in coming up in CrossFit, you're seeing the same in, in actual professionalized sport, um, like traditional spots. Like if you want a long career rather than just three seasons and then you're done five seasons and then you don't, you, you have to be able to look after the individual behind the, behind the athlete. Otherwise you're going to break, you know, we're not machines. We're developing AI, but that doesn't mean like we are AI. It's, it's modern day gladiators, right? If you malnourish um, the gladiator, you don't look after the head. They're, they're only going to win one or two fights and that's it. They're done. And you know, yeah. you're going to have a, a career in the, in the sport and then it's getting more competitive as well. Right. So people usually like we going back to your snowboarding career, if you would have chucked all your chips in that basket, all your eggs in that basket, one, it didn't pay out because you've got that mindset of like, nah, fuck this. I'm going to keep going. I'm the athlete, nothing else. I'm like superhuman. So, but what happens if shit hits the fan? It's like you don't have any education to fall back on. You don't have any links to fall back on. You've not saved up any money because most of the time, like it's costing a shitload of money to get there, right? You're working whatever jobs to pay for it. What are you going to do now? Like you're working minimum wage you, and and your body's fucked. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. That That's exactly it. And I think, you know, sometimes we see that mindset where people – they think like sport is their only way out. And I think, you know, it, it is unfortunate, but for in some cases that is true yeah. where it's like, maybe they don't love the sport, but they have this natural ability at it. Like, for example, I don't love math, but I'm pretty good at it. So if someone just said like my only way to ever make a career was to be a mathematician, I would hate it, but I could feel like you could feel that pressure to do that. And I think in some sports, some athletes, they definitely get pushed in that direction. And you see it where it's like, okay, I just want to do this just to make money. And they go pro, they do like two years, they make just enough. And then they like leverage that to do something else, but they hated those two years. But it's, it's those people who love the sport, who truly love it. And they're willing to push through um, those tough days, because if you don't truly love it, it's really going to beat your, beat your yourself up mentally to try to keep pushing through those tough days over and over and over again, because you're going to have more tough days if you're not enjoying what you're doing. Um, and then your career is going to be cut short, but then you see someone like LeBron, you know, and he works hard and I'm sure not every day is fun, but look how long his career has lasted and how he's, you know, given that love of the game to his son and, um, and how he's gone on. I would say he probably, he loves the game. His, when he retires, he's, he's really built connections within it. He stay connected versus somebody who's like, this is my only, you know, my only way to like make money or do whatever rather than doing it because they truly love it. And then the, uh, rewards are kind of the secondary. Mm. LeBron is a beautiful example. Like that, that man has been up the the pinnacle of of the spot for like nearly two decades, right? That's insane. Yeah. Like that's probably the longest professional career of all time. Don't quote me on that, but it's probably up there, right? Just because he, I think he does partition it. You know, you you've read the quote. He spent like over a million dollars a year looking after his body, and that's just like manual therapy. Right. Yeah. That's just for the physical side. Never mind the whole meditation, journaling, or whatever he does for his for his mental side. Yes, right? personal chefs, like everything. And it's 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 insane. And that's 
yeah, okay, you don't have to spend millions of dollars to like look after yourself. But looking at it with different pieces of the jigsaw to be able to refine those individual pieces so then you can put it back together so you actually make a complete picture rather than there's a couple missing, one's turned the other way. I was like, ah, I'll put a Band-Aid on it, don't worry about it. I'll stick a load of aspirin down my fucking throat and I'll be fine, you know what I mean? Like I lived off, I lived off like Nurofen gel. I'd go through like half a tube in a game of rugby, right? I was just like rubbing that bad boy all over. I'm like, don't worry about it, coach. I'm back in, you know what I mean? <laughs> because it's like, no, no, this is like my one and only shot, in my opinion, at that time, right? Because you kind of fall into that headspace of like, this is the only way I'm going to be able to do this. The only way I'm going to be able to get me and my mom out of the situation that we're in. The only way we're going to be able to progress or whatever. I've got to be able to do this inevitably the universe or whatever you you believe in is has taught me i was like that wasn't the that wasn't the route you're gonna you're gonna take mate because it's gonna push me to the side and there's a lot more lessons i've got to learn from that and going back to um like throwing all your chips in that basket yes people out of necessity sometimes you got to do it right sometimes you dealt a really bad hand and you're gonna have to play that and I would not turn around to a kid and be like, don't do that. If it is their only shot, you go as hard as you need to. However, you've got to be able to look after yourself. Because if you're always dealing yourself the worst card, you, you're going to get fucked. Yeah, I interviewed um, one of uh, my friends. He's a local soccer player and he's he's now he's playing over in uh think in Spain yeah in Spain and he was talking we were talking about about kind of the situation where he's dealt with injuries before and in those situations you know taking the time to recover but last year he had been fighting for over a year or he's been trying to you know go pro and he finally got a trial and right before a couple weeks he gets tendonitis in his knee and it's really bad but he had to figure out like that was when he was like you know what like I have to put all the chips in the basket and like fight through this because this is my one opportunity like ever to get these trials and be in front of these, um, these scouts for these teams. And so he, like, he knew that was his only option. He had to push through and then deal with the ramifications of that. And it's hard, you know, you have to make those decisions in sport. And I think it's important to have good people around you to help you make those. Cause you know, I, sometimes I get DMS from kids and they're like, uh, I hurt my shoulder too, like last week, but I got to play basketball tomorrow, um, for my, you know, high school game. And I'm like, listen, like for me, you know, in, in some ways it, it does matter. Like part of my income does come from like, will I compete again? Will I, you know, have these sponsors or do this? And yet I'm like taking the time and these kids are just in high school. There's no consequences. And they're like, my coach tells me like, I need to, you know, get in, or maybe I'll lose my starting spot. And I'm like, how, how do I put it, you know, in kind words, but also just make sure that they understand that you can be patient and it's important to be patient because those things will last the rest of your life. And that might not be the right time to gamble. But then, you know, in the situation of my friend, that was the time he had to, to really gamble it and, and take that chance because it was truly his, his one big shot of getting into the pro ranks. Yeah, risk, risk reward, right? And, um, you know, if you're in high school or, you know, it's just some like Sunday league team and you lose your spot because you're injured and you're out for a couple of weeks. Good. Maybe that's just going to stoke the fire a little bit, right? I'm like, oh, maybe I need to one, train a little harder, two, train a little smarter, three, look after the the human 
So then I can keep playing rather than just rebounding from these injuries and then I'm losing my spot, getting it back again, losing my spot and, and so on and so forth. I was like, yeah, man, sometimes you're going to have to lose your jersey. Like you're going to have to fight for that number, right? It's not a given that you don't have your name on the back. You have a number. That means it's it's not owned by you, right? And um, yeah. yeah, it's it's quite hard to be able to portray that to, let's be honest, children, right? They're like yeah. early teenage years. Like it's really hard. Well, I think, you know, the hardest thing, and I know this was, it's hard, for, it was hard for me. And when I talked to other athletes about like transitioning from their sport and stuff, like when I was 21 and transitioning from snowboarding, and then it was like, since I was three years old, I told my parents I wanted to go to the Olympics. So it was almost like 90 some percent of my life had been centered around this one goal versus like, if I'm 50 and I've done a few different things, it was like, oh, I tried this for five, 10 years, five, 10 years is in my span of 50 years is not as big as five, 10 years when you're like 15 years old. Um, so I think that's the harder point too, because for a lot of kids, for their perspective, it's like their whole lives, they've been doing something, but their whole lives in the scheme of things hasn't really been that long. So you can always transition, learn things, you know, what's two weeks in the span of things, but that for them, then two weeks seems like a long time, but they need to like look forward, I think a little bit. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's hard, but it's necessary to be able to um, kind of coach both sides. Right. You need to be able to say like, look, you know, yes, if you work hard, you can be able to achieve these things. However, there's always a however because life is a gray area like there's going to be you know there's going to be some exceptions to that and sometimes sometimes you need to sit out and observe and there's like everything is always laced with a lesson rather than like it's be all and end all it's do or die all the time I'm like it's never a yes no it's always a maybe it's always a it depends and that's a really really hard and strange concept one to be able to teach a kid and two to be able to understand as a kid right but I think the the earlier we start saying those things, because you're taught right and wrong, right? We're always like, okay, that's right, that's wrong. I should do this, I shouldn't do that. This is correct, this is incorrect. And everything is like black, white. And then when you get into society, when things are a little bit more organic and they flow and it, people like shit themselves, like, what do I do now? Like, the, there is no right or wrong answer. Like, we'll be able to figure it out. And it's like, yeah, man, that's called life, like, it's tough good luck yeah right and I think the uh the earlier we can start that conversation with a kid even if they're not going to be able to comprehend it they can then look back when they've gone past the fact and be like oh okay I can put the pieces of the jigsaw together and they can get that pretty picture earlier rather than reaching 30 40 and be like oh shit I've been doing everything wrong yeah, I think I think it is important to learn some of these lessons early as early as possible. And um, I was definitely a kid who like I can even I can hear my dad's voice in my head now, like saying like the world isn't black and white because I was very much like extremes. I lived in the different extremes and that was like my world. And it was like, you know, me against the world kind of thing. Um, and then I, I think that's that's why I am grateful for the experience that I had with uh, leaving my sport at the young age of 21 and having to reassess that dream and go through all that, because I'm really glad that now at 28, I've learned those lessons, not learned those lessons. Cause I'm sure for the rest of my life, I'll still be working on all those lessons and reevaluating and continuing to learn and, and grow. But at least I've been 
through it and have like started to think like, okay, there's this gray area and like life happens in that gray area. Um, and I'm, I'm just grateful to have been able to see that, uh, in my twenties rather than, yeah, like thirties, forties, but nevertheless, if anyone's listening in your thirties, forties, and you're still figuring that out, that's all good. You still got life ahead of you. Like whenever you figure that out is the right time. Mm, like it's never too late. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, like the best time to plant a tree was 50 years ago and the next best time is, is now. So right now. Yeah. That's a really cool saying. I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, so jumping into the mental health and the mindset scene, what was it if there was a specific event or maybe it's just a passion that you just like, fuck, I got to do this and start talking about it. What was it that, that kind of lit that, that fire and, and got you talking about it? Cause I don't, I don't see a lot of people like, you know, you might get some professional athletes or some really high-end athletes that would be like, oh, yeah, cool, yeah, I've got to look after my mindset and do all this type of shit for, for my performance. I was like, oh, yeah, it's for all, all for my performance. It's for my spot. You're a little bit different. It's like, well, with the mental health, it's it's both sides of both sides. So what, what, what lit that fire? Yeah, so I, I was kind of lucky at a young age to get a little bit of exposure, at least to, like, mindset stuff where – at, I think I was 17 when I first, I got selected for the junior national team. My parents were like, you've never had a snowboard coach. You, you need to get in the gym to prevent injuries. Like you need to do all these things. So we were kind of scrambling and, um, my dad knew the coach of the local university hockey team. And there was uh, a girl who was doing the strength and conditioning and she, while she was getting her master's in sports psychology. So my, we basically, we like, I went out for dinner to my parents. I was so awkward at 17. They picked, they picked her up. She didn't have a car because she was a student, um, and dropped me and her off at a restaurant just for the two of us to talk and see if we got along. And at 17, just being like socially awkward, I was like, why am I like here with this like 25 year old, um, just trying to like talk about, you know, training and nutrition and sports psychology. But it was great because then I was actually able to drive. And so we ended up working with her as my strength and conditioning coach. And I would pick her up and we'd go to the gym and we, she would give me some little homework about sports psychology, kind of just basic questions about myself and things. So I started learning about like introspection and self-awareness and stuff like that. And so it was a really cool scene because then she's training me, but also helping me with sports psychology at the same time. And then I was lucky to also have coaches that had an interest in, you know, visualization and mindset and that kind of thing when, uh, with my snowboard coaches. And so that kind of progressed into me really taking an interest in psychology, especially then as I started doing, um, my business degree online, I took all my electives in psychology. I always thought it was super interesting. Um, just learning how the mind works whenever I was injured, I would always research whether it's training, nutrition, psychology, I would spend all my time just learning. Um, and then reading a lot of books. So I would read like a ton of books of about psychology, whether it's like, you know, Michael Jordan's coach's book or different things, I would try to really get into that mindset and learn about motivation and discipline and all these things. And then when it really happened to, to start thinking more about mental health was, um, I think I'm trying to remember when it happened, but it was during one of my seasons. I basically the season ended, my aunt and uncle dropped me off at um downtown Vancouver, so a big metro right during rush hour with my snowboard bags, my suitcases, and I was basically had to go across town by myself to go see another uh family member before I flew out the next day. And all of a sudden I found myself with the trains coming by 
And every time, because it was so busy and crowded, they'd be so full. There was no way I could get in with my suitcases and everything. And then people would rush past me as if they didn't see me and just like crowd in. And they wouldn't give me a chance, even though I've been waiting here for hours and every train, every six minutes that would pass by, I couldn't get on. But all of a sudden I just started hyperventilating. And basically I ended up having what I didn't know at the time was like a full panic attack. I like couldn't breathe. I was crying. Like I'm just like sitting on my snowboard bag, started like trying to eat some food that I had. I was like panicking. And then trying to like call my family. So my aunt and uncle ended up coming back, picking me up. And then I remember for like two hours, I like just couldn't even talk. Like I couldn't even get like a word out. And I was like, what is like, I had no idea what happened. So when I got home, um, I like talked with my parents about it. And my mom's like, let's, let's bring you in to like see a therapist and, and talk about this. Um, so that was like my first experience with mental health. Unfortunately, I didn't have the best experience with that therapist. She was trying to help, but she, she wasn't a sports psychologist, but she started trying to be like, Oh, do you get anxious around your sporting events? And I was like, no, this isn't that like, this is something, something different. Um, and so then I started like having these little other moments, um, of anxiety. And then all of a sudden I started getting like some, a lot of homesickness, which I wasn't used to. Like as a kid, I was like, ah, oh, when I turn 17, I'm going to be gone traveling the world, snowboarding. Um, and so all of a sudden I was like, experienced this homesickness, um, and anxiety and all these things. And so I started really using our team sports psychologists. I was probably the only athlete who was always using them. So doing that also, you know, action sports are very mental. As I had more and more injuries, I started having a lot of fear. So I would have like flashbacks of like, oh, I can't try that trick again because what if I really hurt myself again? Or this happened last time. And so I was starting to try to figure that out with sports psychologists. Um, and then it was my last season that I, I kind of, like I had a friend I made from the CrossFit gym and she was experiencing some mental health stuff with school. Like she was just really struggling with being away from her family and being at school. And so her and I really related talking about that. And that kind of helped me with, okay, this is actually what's happening. I think I'm really going through um, some actual really serious mental health stuff and I need to seek help for it. And so I, I started, that was when I started feeling like, I don't know if I should keep doing the snowboarding thing. I went all in for the rest of the season at the end of the season, decided to call it off. And, uh, my mental health, I thought it would be better. Cause I was like, okay, you know, what's hurting my mental health It's the snowboarding. Mm-hmm. So I took that out of the equation and it was worse. Cause all of a sudden I was like, wait, who am I without that? Who am I without this Olympic dream? And all those questions happened at the same time. And so I was lucky I had CrossFit, the gym, business, uh, all these different things to kind of have a path of things to focus on, but I got into a really low point. And so that's when I, I went to my doctor, I got diagnosed with depression and anxiety. I went to go, um, I went to like go to therapy every week. Um, I like really focused on, on, you know, my mental health and how important it was. And um, yeah, it was a tough couple of years and uh, still always have to kind of manage the anxiety, like do things proactively to make sure it doesn't come back. I notice when, you know, I'm not focused on my recovery, on balance, on my meditation, things like that. Uh, you know, I go a few weeks without it. All of a sudden I'm like, anxiety is creeping back. Mm -hmm. So I have to be really proactive. And then over the years, I just started becoming more confident talking about it. So I think at first there really was a stigma and there still is, but I think it's starting to be chipped away by people speaking about it. And over the years of me kind of, you know, every year I would share maybe one or two things. And then I would like start sharing maybe three things and then maybe four things, just like all my social media or things like that. And eventually I just became, you know, uh, more confident speaking about it, started getting people, Hey, I feel the same way. Like this really helped me that you shared about it. 
Um, and so it's, it's kind of slowly over time become something that I'm just more comfortable talking about and raising awareness about, especially in like the athlete and sports space. I'm really grateful for you to share that. So thank you very much. And I'm sure everybody else listening is in the same boat. Um, and that just completely epitomizes the whole framework of this, this podcast, right. Of bridging the gap between mental and physical health. And I think you're an absolute beautiful example of that, of someone who's obviously been super high up in, in spot, right. On both ends of the spectrum, i.e. snowboarding and now in the CrossFit scene. And now from the rehab going, okay, now we're going more into the health side. And then also again, going into the mental health side. And I think that's, it's so, so important for you to be able to have the space to be able to talk about it so people can hear that of like, oh, okay, I don't actually have to pick one, right? And you said something, one word, proactive, right? Yeah. And it's like, it's not going to, it's not going to fuck you up straight away, right? Like walking, you know, not eating for 30 minutes isn't going to fuck you straight away because you're like, oh, cool. I'll be able to get around it. But if you don't eat for 24 hours, 48 hours, you're going to start feeling fucking hungry, right? Yeah. It's the same thing with your mental health, same thing with your physical health. Like straight away, immediate response, nothing. You don't really feel anything. Well, whatever, I can shrug it off. Maybe I'm superhuman. Maybe I'm a bad motherfucker that doesn't need to do this. You know, all this yeah. meditation and journaling stuff is all hairy, fairy nonsense, especially like from a dude's perspective, man. Like the amount of guys like I'll speak to and I'll, I, look in their eyes i'm like cool you're not in the place that we can have this conversation and i'm like no problem man but i'm here when whenever you need to right and it's being, yeah. being proactive about it is is such an important point of like jumping in there doing what you need to do even when you don't want to fucking do it right straight in the morning don't look at your phone right everyone i work with um coaching wise and even just like just helping out right I'll send them this thing, this document. It just basically outlines a really simple like morning routine. Do they have to do it? No. Like, you don't have to do it. Do whatever you want. Right? It's just a little bit of a guideline. And I think most people, like, they wake up in the morning, right, and they're checking this, they're checking their phone, like, straight away. And I'm like, you're allowing the world to dictate how you think. Don't do yeah. that. You dictate how you think because you're a bad motherfucker. So put that bad boy away for 30 minutes, 20 minutes, 15 minutes. Give me 10 minutes, Right? Write down your stuff, think about your stuff, get some water on board, walk around, all right? Do some meditating. It's not just sitting on the ground with your legs crossed going, um, right? It's just like trying to trying to calm yourself in a very, very, very busy world, right? Everything's going crazy. Like we're in completely different time zones. We're probably even in different different days, let's be honest, right? <laughs> and that, and that, that's crazy, like, because the world is going so fucking fast with everything connected, right? It was like, calm yourself, figure yourself out, do something for your physical and mental health and then crack on with your day and be a bad, bad motherfucker. Yeah. And it doesn't take much time. I think no. that's a big one, but I think, you know, it's interesting because I think we get normalized to like, this is just who we are and how we feel. Mm. And then we don't realize like we could actually feel better. And so I think that's, that's a big one to break people out of their habits. And I think, you know, people need to hear from different people, which is why a lot of people say, oh, well, I don't have this many followers or like, I, who am I to talk about this? But I'm like, you never know who's listening and who could be impacted. Like someone, I could talk about my mental health. I could talk about my training. And for someone, it could be like, oh, it just doesn't relate. 
but someone else could talk about it and they could relate or someone else could relate to mine, but not to like Serena Williams talking about it just because of the different situations. And so it's important to have like more voices. And I know, for example, in my case, like there's been life lessons that were taught to me earlier on that I didn't listen. And then all of a sudden, just at the right time from a, the right person, all of a sudden it hit and nothing to say that the other person was wrong. And anyway, it was like, they were trying to teach me the something, but I just wasn't ready at, at the time or it wasn't the right message or just the, whatever was happening. It just didn't hit. And so, yeah, I think it's just doing some small things and just testing it out, just being open-minded, I guess, to yeah. like try stuff like that. Like, okay, like, okay, I, you know what? I have no problem with the phone. It's, it's good. I just wake up in the morning. I don't feel bad, but it's like, just try it. Just, just try and see, just challenge yourself. Like, and that's something big for me, for example, um, like I have some friends who are amazing athletes and they're vegan. And I was like, I can never be vegan because I'm allergic to nuts. So that's like a big food group for <laughs> vegan people. Um, you know, I, I just couldn't do it, whatever. I was like, I don't like to have that. Like, I don't like to say that I just couldn't do something. So last year, um, my boyfriend and I did a one week vegan challenge. I forced him into doing it with me. And, um, we bought all these foods. We like spent the week just eating vegan and just to try it out. Like, it wasn't like, Oh, I'm going to do this. This is a big life change. I'm only going to switch is like, let's just do this for a week and see what happens. And as an experiment, and I want to like, keep doing that with different things. And I think that's like the most important thing that people could be probably is just open-minded to try things because then you'll see, oh, wow. Like, you know, I was just in homeostasis of feeling like this, but I could actually feel elevated to, to this by trying this. And I never knew that if I wouldn't have just been open-minded to saying, okay, I'll give it a shot for a few days. Fuck. Yeah. Like people, people think just because they've been in that situation for a long time, that it is normal. Right. Like I usually say this all the time in the gym. It's like guys being in pain all the time is not normal. That might be your yeah. normal because it's happened for five, 10 years, but that doesn't mean it's fucking normal, right? It's like, you yeah. okay, you're here right now. Like, fantastic, you've got used to it. It even gets a little bit comfortable because you can, you know what's coming, right? You can expect it. And the, the unknown is scary, right? That's where the fear comes in, the fear of the unknown. However, if you just try something, figure it out, right? You don't like it, cool, go back to where you, you you lived your life but if you try something you can actually just elevate and maybe thrive rather than just survive right everyone's just yeah. trying to survive to the end i was like yeah. well if let, let's let's play devil's advocate here if we are literally only here once right and that's it nothing nada like complete emptiness then wouldn't you want to like live the best that you could rather than just and at least try something different right like <laughs> exactly rather than just yeah. like just get to the end oh fuck i made it okay that was miserable and that's it i was like fuck yeah. no like wouldn't you want to like do something yeah yeah and at least just experience a couple different things even if it was just for a few days it didn't work for you what's a few days like there was no harm to trying it it's like um when people say okay like positive thinking and um like manifestation, it doesn't work. And I'm like, but what's the harm of like, just believing that what you want to happen is going to happen. Like, there's mm -hmm. no harm of like being positive. Uh, like, it's just, it's interesting to see um, the different perspectives. And I don't think there's any like right answer, but I just think, yeah, being curious and, and being open to trying new things and hearing different perspectives is um, it's important. Yeah. Committed to growth. And that can come in many, many different ways. Right. And if you try something and it, and it doesn't work, okay, cool, but you've learned something, right? You've learned that that doesn't work. And you also learned the process that other people go through that actually works for. So then you can actually build a better connection with people who aren't 
just a complete copy of you right and then you can like develop something called empathy which is what we all need right yeah no it's so true I was having a conversation with a friend the other day um and he's like really big into like wellness coaching and stuff and he was talking about how he has ice baths right before bed and he was like do you do this and I was like uh I used to have like cold showers in the summer when I have no ac just to like cool my temperature down but I said in it just, I was noticing, like I had track with a recovery device, all my habits and all these things. And it showed me objectively that like the ice baths before bed and stuff wasn't helping me. So I just didn't do it. And, but for him, it's like the opposite. Right. And so I think that's the cool thing is like different things work for different people, but we won't know that if we try it. And like, someone could tell me this breath work is going to work for you. And I could be like, no, like it's not, but what if I try it and it does, or what if I tried it and it doesn't, but I know it works for that person. Then I'm not going to go around just telling people, oh, that doesn't work it's hocus pocus i'm just gonna be like it didn't work for me but i think it's important like different people try things because there's not just like one solution for one person that would be it would be boring if the world were like that because otherwise we would have the exact formula for everything like this is how you become the best scientist is become how you become the best athlete like there just isn't an answer i think that's what makes life interesting yeah and also it would like nullify communication because we wouldn't need to because everyone thinks the same right we would just be yeah. <laughs> these, these beings just walking through life, thinking the same thing and be like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Like embrace our differences. Yeah, we are all the same. All right. Fundamentally, but also we're not. And again, yeah. it goes back to that gray area of like, okay, like love the similarities, but also love the differences. And like, fuck, okay. What's that like? They might people like, you know, will come into your life. that will have so many different stories to tell. All you got to do is ask, you know, what's that like? Oh, yeah. well, it's like X, Y, and Z. Holy shit, I never would have thought like that. Well, yeah, because one, you've never done it, or two, you've never seen it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, 100%. Mate, I, I really appreciate your time. I'm not going to keep you any longer because of, uh, of the difficulties that we had techno- technical, technologically and now verbally. Um, <laughs> on my end, of course. I mean, you know what you're doing. I seriously seriously appreciate your time and everything that you're doing like the the polar opposites of what you do i think is is really really cool to be able to see on a higher level right and uh, and i'm sure a shit ton of people appreciate you as well so thank you well yeah thank you for having me on and i really love this conversation so thanks for uh giving me the platform to have it I always make like i'm i'm here if you ever want to shoot the shit and if you uh you and yours are ever like I don't know, dossing around in the bottom right-hand corner of the world, then hit me up and I'll uh, we can grab a coffee sometime or something. Yeah, unfortunately, when I was snowboarding, I never made it down to New Zealand, Australia. Everyone else did, but I always had to like work to pay for the rest of my season uh, while everyone was doing their summer training. But uh, yeah, I have some friends in New Zealand, like from snowboarding and um, my boyfriend has family in Australia. And so it's perfect. definitely it's on the list eventually to get down there. Yeah, do it. Like, um, I'm not joining you for a wad. I'm not doing any burpees, <laughs> but um, I'll do one clean and jerk and a snatch and I'll sit down and eat, and eat Haribos. <laughs> and when my shoulder is better, then I'll have to come down. Then I can Olympic lift. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, mate. Take it easy and uh, I appreciate you. Awesome. Thanks for having me. All right, mate. Take it easy.